We're in a series talking about the letter to the Colossians in the New Testament. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to open it up there. And in our series, this just happens to line up perfectly with this text. We're going to be looking at verses 15 through 17. And so I want to read this for you as we study the colossal truth about Jesus verses 15 through 17 in Colossians chapter 1. You can follow in your Bible or along with me on the screen. It says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. Almost 600 years ago, there was a, a, a Polish mathematician. I don't know how you know, how, how fresh you keep your, your Polish mathematicians on your mind, but uh, there was one by the name of Copernicus, and he started a revolution that just turned the whole scientific world inside out. He had the audacity to say that he believed the sun did not revolve around the earth, but rather the earth revolved around the sun. Now, in 600 years ago, that was crazy talk. But you know what? He was right. It was a revolutionary statement. It turned all the scientific ways of thinking inside out when they realized that, hey, not everything revolves around us. And so if we take that same revolutionary concept and apply it to the truth about Jesus in Colossians 1, which just, by the way, every, about every theologian agrees that this is the most amazing three verses that talk about Jesus in the whole Bible, the most accurate three verses that talk about Jesus in the whole Bible. If we apply that same concept to this, what we see is that ought to, turn, ought to cause a Copernican revolution for us that we are not the center of the world. I know that's probably hard for some of you to hear. It's hard for me to hear sometimes too. The world doesn't revolve around us. The world revolves around Jesus. Everything that was ever created revolves around Jesus. And this truth ought to turn us inside out. It ought to affect the way we think about everything in our lives. This truth was so important for Paul to communicate to the Colossian church because everyone in the world of, of the Colossians at that time were promoting a popular ideology that was a blend of paganism, of Judaism, and with a little Christianity sprinkled in. You might remember the quote that from Curtis Vaughn that we shared a couple weeks ago that it gave Jesus a place, but it not give him the supreme place. This is how they live. This is a popular ideology. People all around the church in Colossians were trying to minimize the person and the work of Jesus Christ. But Paul comes in this letter to the Colossians and he says, no, 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 don't listen to them. Don't let anybody minimize Jesus because Jesus is so much more than a mere man. Jesus is everything. The whole world, all of creation revolves around him. 
This is the truth Paul's trying to convey. And so he's counteracting this popular ideology. We realize that Jesus is so much more than a man. This is incredible. Uh, you know, that we can give, we ought to give Jesus the supreme place. We ought to see our lives revolving around him changes everything about us. It changes the way we do church. Because we realize that we are not here just simply, you know, ascribing to, you know, a, a faith or a religion based on a man who lived 2,000 years ago. And some people think that's what it is, like we're just kind of paying homage to something in the past, that we're just doing our best to keep some traditions alive. You know, and while the world gets less and less religious, here we are just sort of hanging on. <laughs> that's what the world sees when they look in here. But what we know from the truth of the scripture is that we aren't just, you know, ascribing to a religion. We are a people of faith who are being awakened to the reality of Jesus Christ as the centerpiece of everything ever created. That is what our faith is doing. It's awakening us to this reality that Jesus is the centerpiece of everything that was ever created, which gives us meaning and purpose and joy and fulfillment. So Paul makes two extraordinary statements here in verse 15. If you're looking at it with me, I hope you are. First, he says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus made the invisible God visible. And this is incredible. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 9. He said, the one who has seen me has seen the Father. How revolutionary of a statement is that? That's incredible that a man could also be God and make God visible to mankind. Man, and to be living in that day would be amazing. You know what Hebrews says in chapter 1, verse 3? It says that Jesus is the exact expression of God's nature. Jesus is the exact expression of God's nature. So Jesus is God. Born as a man, but verse 15 also says that he is the firstborn over all creation. The firstborn over all creation. Now, some of you have a, a Bible translation that might say the firstborn of creation. Now, I just want to just pause on that for just a second. Because what you might think is that it just means that Jesus was the first one born that maybe he's just merely a man and he was born among us, maybe just one of us. But the word of is actually not really exactly a great way to translate it for our understanding because it means something more. It's like if I said king of kings. Well, the king of kings we know is not just a king among the, on the same plane as all the other kings, right? We know that when we say king of kings, we mean king over kings, and that's what this passage is saying, is that Jesus isn't just one of us. Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. He's the firstborn, meaning he has preeminence, meaning he has rank and honor due to him and to him alone. He's the one with the ultimate power and authority. And it's not just for the church, it's for everything, everything. Jesus 
is not just one among many. He's not just a man among men. Jesus is Lord of all creation. All creation. Everything is ultimately subject to him. Now, this is revolutionary, right? Everything that we see is subject to him. And Paul gives three reasons why this is a universal truth. So whatever you came into the room with this morning in terms of your thoughts and ideas about God, the Bible says that this is not something that's true for us and not true for other people. The Bible communicates that this is a universal truth. This is true for all people for all time. Three things that Paul says why this is a universal truth. Look at verse 16 with me. It starts out by saying, For everything was created by him. In heaven and on earth, the visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And so the first thing we see, everything is created by Jesus. You might go, wait, wasn't Jesus born of a virgin Mary? And isn't that when he came into existence? No, Jesus was always there as God from the beginning. And this is not Paul speaking in hyperbole or exaggerating who Jesus is. This is the story of the entire Bible. In fact, Jesus, as I said, was present and active even all the way back to Genesis 1 when we get the story of creation. This is why God the Father and the Spirit and Jesus the Son are all together in the story of the creation. You'll see that the pronouns are plural. For example, it says, let us... Make man in our image. Jesus was there. Jesus was there from the beginning. And if you go all the way to the other end of the Bible, again in Hebrews chapter 1, we see in verse 2, it says that God made the universe through him. God made the universe through Jesus. This is the story of the entire Bible that everything is created by Jesus. And so we can say without exaggeration, as Pastor Andrew said this week on our Longview campus, he said this, everything in the universe owes its existence to him. Everything in the universe owes its existence to him. Not just the churchy things, but everything, right? From elephants to ants, from mega corporations to mom and pop businesses to, you know, from galaxies to bacteria, from you to me, everything, we all owe our existence to God. We were created by Jesus. But as verse 16 also reveals, everything is created for Jesus. Everything is created by him and everything is created for him. This means that you and I will not experience true purpose until we live for Jesus and we give him first place in our lives. You remember this is what Colossians is about. The big theme of the whole book of Colossians is not that we give Jesus a place in our lives, but we give him first place in our lives, the supreme place in our lives. And so until we do that, you and I won't experience true purpose because everything is created for Jesus. But our natural tendency is to live for ourselves, right? 
That's how we normally live. We wake up every day and we have to fight that tendency to live for ourselves. And can I just tell you that while it might be convenient to live for yourself in the here and now, it will ultimately lead to your life being worn down and broken. And I wonder if maybe some of you are already at that point, which maybe is what brought you here today. Yesterday I needed a a screwdriver, a flathead screwdriver. And uh, I didn't have one handy, so I reached for my pocket knife, and I didn't have it either. And so you know what I went for next? My car key. My car key. And it worked okay, right? It was convenient. I had it right there. I used it for that. Uh, Then, you know, problem solved, right? So then you get a package in the mail. And uh, usually when I get a package, I'm, like, pretty anxious. I want to get that thing open. And so I don't even take the time to go inside and get a knife or scissors or anything. You know, I, I got in my pocket. I got my car key. So I pull up my car key, and I start opening up my packages, but you know what happens over time when you, the more often you use something like a car key for something other than its intended purpose, it wears down. It becomes brittle. It weakens. And it's like the time I got into our, uh, our 1999 Nissan Sentra, uh, which we had when we first got married. I put the key in the car And I turned it and it just kept turning because it just sheared off the whole part of the key that was in the ignition. I mean, it was just there because that's how we were living our life. We're always using those keys for other things. It wore them down so much faster than they were intended because we didn't use them for the intended purpose. But what we were saying from Colossians 1.15 and 16 is that you were created for Jesus. So you can live for yourself And it might feel convenient in the here and now, but it's going to lead you to being worn down and broken. When Jesus is saying, I want to give you fulfillment, I want to show you what true purpose is. I want to give you uh, the, the joy that you've never experienced in understanding why you were created and placed here on this earth. It's because I created you. And Jesus is saying, I created you for me. Jesus says you were created for him. And if Jesus becomes your first priority in a life that is marked by faith in him, then you will experience true fulfillment and a purpose in glorifying Jesus. You know, when the end of verse 16 says that all things are created for him, that word could also be translated toward him toward him all things are created toward him there's a movement not just an ownership but a movement happening that everything in creation is making its way closer to Jesus now Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 again back to Hebrews chapter 1 it says that God has appointed him heir of all things And you remember from verse 15, we already know that he is the firstborn of all creation, right? Not only does he have power and preeminence and authority and honor and rank, but also he has what's due to him coming, which is the inheritance of a firstborn son. So all things, while he was there at creation, all things are his. It's all moving toward him. Your life is moving toward Jesus So, you know, it's like when you order something on Amazon, you set into motion a series of events that ultimately leads to you receiving a package at your doorstep. 
or maybe hopefully being handed a package <laughs> so it's not left on your doorstep. That's what happens when you place that order, right? But do you know when you own that piece of whatever it is? It's when the transaction goes through. That's when you own it. It's not when you receive it. It's when you pay for it. That's when it's rightfully yours. Now, just like your Amazon package, which you own and is for you and is moving towards you in this shipping process, all things under creation are being delivered to Jesus. This is the reality we live in. All things are being delivered to Jesus to be handed over to him. The difference is while we sit on the couch and wait for the UPS truck, Jesus has stayed actively involved in the process from start to finish. He was there at creation. It's all going to be delivered to him in the end. This is the reality the Bible tells us. Which is what Paul means in verse 17 as you continue reading. Jesus is ensuring delivery when he says, he is before all things and by him all things hold together. He's before all things and by him all things hold together. What a glorious statement about who Jesus is as the centerpiece of creation divinely orchestrating and, and, and holding together every little thing until finally everything created will be delivered to him to be redeemed and restored. And so we have this glorious future to, to live for because our lives are for him. Everything is held together by Jesus. So God is not disengaged with the story of creation Lots of people would say that, that God set into motion like a, like a clockmaker, set into motion creation and then just stepped back and let it go. But that's not the story the Bible tells. The Bible tells a different story that Jesus started it, he owns it, and he also sustains it, that every tick of the clock is because Jesus is there. And if he wasn't, the clock would stop ticking. There is no other momentum. Jesus is the momentum of creation. He makes it happen. He sustains it. The verb in verse 17 is in the perfect tense, which, you know, makes sense because Jesus is perfect, right? Uh, no, not really. It's not why it's there. But it's in the perfect tense because it means it is a continual action. That Jesus holds all things together. That's not just a statement that's true in the past. It's a statement that is true here and now because it's in the perfect tense. It's continual even today. Jesus is still holding all things together. So if Jesus took his attention away from creation, just let your mind go here for just a second. If Jesus took his attention away from creation for one millisecond, it would be the end of the world. It would be the end. It wouldn't be the beginning of a plot of a movie about the apocalypse or Independence Day or something. No, that's, it would just be the end. If Jesus took his attention away from creation for one millisecond, it would be the end. Life as we know it would disintegrate in an instant. Planets and moons would spin off of their axis. Constellations would fall. And you and I probably wouldn't even be around to see it because even atoms would collapse. I don't know if you know this, scientists tell us that an atom, the basic building block of all matter, 
is made up of protons and electrons. You may have seen pictures of these. They're constantly whirling around, swirling around. But they don't know why or what holds them together. There's been some theories along the way, but scientists cannot agree. There is no proof as to what holds the protons and electrons to the atom. When we lived in South Dakota, uh, there was this project in the Black Hills to convert old mine shafts into laboratories, science labs. Now, when we talk about science, a lot of people in faith circles start going like, oh, are you just going to tell me not to, not to care about science? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that everything in science points to the reality of Jesus. These labs were amazing feats of humanity. There was one that went one mile deep under the surface of the earth. I mean, it was unbelievable. I wanted to go in. I was terrified to go in. I wanted to go in, but I couldn't go in, right? But the, status, the stated purpose of these labs, by the way, was to, was to study what's called dark matter, which they hoped would explain the origins of the universe. That was why they were creating these labs. And I wanted to go in. I wasn't allowed to. But some of the college students that we ministered to in Black Hill State University were studying science. And they would get internships there. And so they would get to go down these elevators hundreds, thousands of feet below the surface of the earth to be in these labs, to, to look under microscopes at what they called dark matter, hopefully to explain the origins of the earth. And I remember my friend Kristen, who was one of our students, she was a biology student, and uh, she goes down in this internship and she shared with Jill and I that she was afraid when she started this internship as a Christian that it would cause her to doubt her faith. But you know what happened the more often she went down there to study that stuff? She said that actually everything she saw made her faith stronger. That's, that's what happens when we dig into this. If we could figure out what holds electrons and, and protons to an atom, then we would actually have more answers to see how much better Jesus is. That Jesus is the one who is sustaining, creating, and sustaining all things, holding it all together. And if he took his attention off of us for just one millisecond, it would all collapse and we would be gone. Isn't that amazing to recognize that reality? Back to Hebrews chapter 1, an incredible parallel passage to Colossians 1. It says Jesus is sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus is sustaining all things by his powerful word. So if Jesus is holding all things together, don't you know he's also holding you together? And a life that puts Jesus first never feels like it's falling apart. A life that puts Jesus first never feels like it's falling apart. Kent Hughes is a commentator that you know, made this comment about this passage in Colossians. He said, when we truly understand what is being said here, it's amazing that we should ever look anywhere else for meaning and purpose in life. That since he is the creator who holds all things together. He knows how to best fix and order our lives. Think about that. 
Jesus is so big that he created everything. But he is so relational that he knows everything about you and he's holding you together. Even the matter that makes you up, Jesus is holding it together. So yeah, it's spiritual, but it's also physical. Once we understand this, once we begin to comprehend this, isn't it silly that we would look to things like careers or people to give us fulfillment or purpose? We could be looking to the main thing, the first thing, Jesus. Colossians is a call to give Jesus, the creator and sustainer of all things, the supreme place in your life. First place, priority, right? To follow him as your Lord because he is the Lord of all creation. And this gets super practical. He's the Lord of your marriage. He's the Lord of your home. He's the Lord of your school, your job. He's the Lord of everything about you. Your personality, your identity, everything. He is the Lord of all of it. And all of it's moving toward him. And so we have the choice to either glorify him with these things or reject him and make ourselves the Lord, which will ultimately be a total failure. But as we talked a little bit about church finances today, I want to show you how this applies to personal finances. And I want to just make this clear that I'm not talking about the church's financial future. I'm talking about yours, your financial future. Because the kingdom of God doesn't need money to succeed. Do you guys realize that? The kingdom of God doesn't need money to succeed, but the kingdom of God will not allow people to be ruled by money instead of Jesus. That's the point of Colossians 1. And you can apply that framework to anything in life, not just money. That We were talking about money intentionally, but you can put anything in that equation and it always comes out true. The kingdom of God won't allow people to be ruled by possessions instead of Jesus, by insecurities instead of Jesus, by anxieties or sexuality or even self instead of Jesus. The kingdom of God will not because Jesus is the king and ruler of the kingdom of God. He was there from the beginning. It's all moving toward him at the end. And he is in every little detail of all of it, sustaining it throughout. He's the king. And so our lives have got to yield to that reality and place Jesus back at the supreme. But if we talk about money in particular, it is so tempting for us to let money rule our lives. Did you know that even today, still, this has been true for decades, that money is one of the main reasons people get a divorce. Money is one of the main reasons relationships break up. Money is one of the main reasons friendships break up. I don't know if you recognize that. Borrow a little money here, borrow a little money there, don't pay somebody back, people get their feelings hurt. It's as if all of it revolves around us, but right, if we we know that this, what Colossians is saying is true, it turns us inside out and we see, no, this all revolves around Jesus and it changes the way we think about everything. And we see, if everything revolves around him, that even money was created through Jesus, it was created for Jesus, 
And ultimately, it's being all held together by Jesus. So however little or however much you have, it's because he gave it to you. However much money you gain in this life, however much money you lose in this life, Jesus is what sustains you, not money. If there was one word to sum up the biblical perspective on money, it would be the word generosity. Because that's who God is. And that's how he creates all things, by his character, right? God is generous. That is also the same principle that we should apply to money. The problem for us, though, is that we have made money our safety and security, which is another way to say money's in charge of us. We've made money our safety and security. Now, (laughs) that's a problem because it kills generosity. If money is your safety and security, that means it is self-focused and self-centered. But generosity is God-focused and others-focused. So it kills generosity. But things change when you become a follower of Jesus Christ. When you yield your life to Jesus as the supreme authority, as the Lord of all things, things start to change because Jesus is before all things. By him, all things hold together. We learn then as followers of Jesus to trust Jesus more every day for our safety and security and every day to trust money less. So we move from having closed fists to then as followers of Jesus having open hands, knowing that whatever God gives us, he'll sustain us. Whatever God takes away from us, he'll sustain us. Whatever God allows to pass through our lives financially, he'll sustain us. And by the way, this is a much more relaxed way to live than this. It's so much more joyful to live with open hands than closed fists. So we learn with Jesus that whether our money is a little or a lot, when we learn that money doesn't compare to Jesus, our mindset shifts and we can become more like Jesus in generosity. And just being people who are generous. So when I use my money, I get personal. When I use my money that I earn to support my family, to help provide for the needs of our church, for our mission partners, even to help meet the needs of the needy people that God puts in my life, when I use my money for that, I am practicing generosity. I'm practicing generosity in those things, and I'm practicing trust in Jesus to sustain me, and I'm taking the focus off of myself, and I'm putting it on God and on others. And you know what will happen? If you live your life like that, to the extent that you can dethrone money in your life by practicing generosity and open-handed living with your finances, you'll discover who God really is. And it will unleash the work of God in your lives. I'm not talking just about giving to the church. Tithing biblically is a huge part of that. I'm also talking about when you go to the restaurant at lunch today, being generous with your tips. I'm talking about when you're with your kids, being generous with your time. 
I'm talking about a life that is going so much beyond money because it doesn't revolve around money. It revolves around Jesus. And God is the most generous being in existence because not only does he give us the opportunity to enjoy his creation, but when we broke our fellowship with God, when we became enemies of God because of sin, when we separated ourselves from him because of sin, he came back into our world through Jesus Christ and he gave himself completely, fully, wholly on a cross to die a death he did not deserve in order to pay a debt we could not pay for our own sin. So that if we would just put our faith in Jesus, he would give us the free gift of eternal life. God is so generous. And to the extent that we practice generosity, we understand more fully who God really is. And we'll see the work of God unleashed in our lives. This is the truth. Colossians 1. It's a beautiful picture of Jesus Everything was created by him. Everything was created for him. And everything is held together by him. But this just tells part of the story of you and me, too. Because you were created by God. You were created for God. But as we just talked about, sin separated us from God. You know that? That the sin in your life which you didn't ask for, some of it you didn't even choose. It just came naturally to you or it was done to you. That sin separated you from God. But Jesus reconciles and restores you to God for eternity so that you can be a full participant in the kingdom of God, which will last for eternity. Oh, your sins will be forgiven. But God adopts you into his family as an incredible act of grace through faith. And when he adopts you, he then unleashes you as an ambassador for his kingdom and he makes you experience the abundant life that God promised starting here and now, the moment you put your faith in him, all the way through eternity when Jesus comes to redeem and restore all things. So this is a much, much, much bigger picture than just our money. But money's a good way to think about how God works and the call to knowing him through generosity. It's the story of Colossians 1. And it's an invitation to you to participate. So I wonder if you've ever experienced Jesus in this way that you put your faith in him for the forgiveness of your sins, but also to become the supreme leader of your life, to have the first place priority of your life so that your life would be an active participant in his eternal kingdom. That's God's desire for you. If you haven't taken that step, we wanna lead you to that step today. But I'd like to say a prayer and then our band's gonna lead us in one more song of response this morning and we'll have a chance to respond to God. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word, for this incredible truth about Jesus that just really turns us inside out, that he is the center of all things. God, would you help us become people 
who live this way, that our lives revolve around Jesus and not the other way around. God, you're so good to us that when we try to make things about us, you show us so much grace and you just gently lead us forward into the reality that it's not about us, it's about you. And so thank you for that, God. We want to live our lives that way for you. Thank you, God, for the picture of what you're doing through our church as people are giving faithfully to your work. We pray that you would unleash generosity here, not so we can grow, but your kingdom can grow so that together we can do more to more fully participate in what you're doing here in the world around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.